college and the alternate site. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the alternate site. <laughs> famous, famous place for where great pictures emerge from all the time. Now, Nick and I have been joking about like they we're expecting that Danny Jansen breakout when he comes to when he's like age 38. Like it's going to happen in a year. Go ahead, run in the eighth on a home run by Joey Votto. Stupid Votto. <laughs> oh, I can't stay mad at you. No, no. no. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 236 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we're starting a petition to change the name of the foul pole to the fair pole. And you can't stop us. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the transcendent Joshua Housem. Josh, it's been too long. There was a whole episode without you. I was confused. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. It's good to be back. It's not unprecedented that that's happened, but it is very unusual. So thank you once again to Nick Dyka for stepping into your chair figuratively uh, and uh, and helping me out uh, during our last podcast. So many things have happened uh, with the Blue Jays. Uh, they were 6-4 and four in their last 10, which sounds pretty good, but they, they've literally gained... No ground on anyone in the American League East except the Orioles. Um, but Vlad and Springer might be waking up, so maybe maybe six and four is just an average sort of ten game streak for them. Uh, the starting pitching continues to thrive. Ryu is getting better. Manoa is a beast. Gaussman's awesome, uh, except for that one. We'll talk about his his the stain on his record now. Um, <laughs> relievers uh have you have here are not nearly missing enough bats that is a yeah there's a problem uh, not a big problem but but it's, it might become a problem danny jansen world beating uh slugging catcher i i didn't think i'd have to say that with uh, a total lack of sarcasm but the rest of the lineup man we gotta talk man we gotta talk uh julian merriweather and bgio are back collins and capra are down what does that mean for the roster uh the roster will have 14 pitchers on it well into june now that was supposed to end uh, in the end of may and uh well you know it, it just i guess you need 14 pitchers these days we have your questions we have a do-over for charlie montoyo after we were nice to him and said he was doing fine in the late innings oh no 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 and we have a gold start for a non-baseball related yankees and rays team up I don't think we've ever given a gold star to the Yankees and Rays together or would have ever considered up until now. Or individually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I th yeah, maybe. That's crazy. Okay. Crazy times. Start with the good news about Vlad and George Springer, who might be finding themselves because we know themselves are very, very good hitters. Yeah, it was pretty crazy what was going on with the two of these guys. Vlad hadn't had an extra base hit pretty much all month and Springer he hit a home run I think it was on the 10th but prior to just a few days ago that was the only home run he'd hit in the month so the two big power threats in the lineup since Chapman is getting destroyed by the baseball they just weren't doing it and you know that's not a way that you can succeed when your offense is really built on power. Your big power guys have to hit for power. <laughs> it's just it's a very logical thing. You know, Vlad wasn't terrible. He was still getting a lot of singles, which was a weird thing. But between May 4th and the 24th, he had zero extra base hits. Or sorry, the one. He had the one home run. So anyway, but now he's hit two in the last two games and Springer's hit two in the last three and has hits in nine straight. So those guys 
getting going should really help the offense. Yeah, I mean, Vlad had the 16-game hitting streak or 14-game hitting streak that consisted of like 14 hits. And so it's not how you want a hitting streak to be going. You know, that you don't want to be hanging on by your teeth every night. There has to be more to, to it than that. And I think, I think uh, you know, there's a ton of talk on the broadcast, so I don't, I don't want to beat this to death. But I think what what I would ask you is, do you think the approach is getting better? Do you think the the you know control of the zone is is getting uh, that process? Is that looking any better to you when you watch you know just stick your head in and watch a guy who isn't Rymel Tapia taking a bat? Well, it definitely looked better the last few games. It's a really small sample size to judge it on, but they did a really good job against Jordan Hicks and both and, and Shohei Otani. Otani's stuff was a little down, but he was still good. I mean, he's still throwing hard and throwing all those nasty pitches. So they weren't chasing as much, although Otani still struck out everybody. <laughs> it was like, oh my goodness, but that's what he does. So I think we need to see a bit more of it, but the early, the, the recent very small sample size signs are good. Um, they, did they take eight walks? I think in that the game they won in St. Louis. Um, that's right. That's I mean that's a ridiculous number of walks for this lineup to take this year. So I think you know not being as anxious, not being, uh, not expanding that that strike zone. They're very good hitters. They're they should know these things. I think it's so difficult to be a major league hitter, um, with changing. Uh, conditions with the baseball and the climate and everything else and the shortened spring training. I hope it's all, you know, going to be water under the bridge from here on out, but we'll see. Um, the only reason we're talking about, we're not talking about the disaster of the Blue Jays team, I think is, is probably the pitching and more to the point, the starting pitching. Yeah. Especially, you know, Kikuchi, who's just completely turned things around, even his last outing where he had a terrible first inning, he only get one hit the rest of the way. And, you know, they, they, he's turned into the guy that the Blue Jays, you know, they thought they were going to get when they gave him three years, 36 million, which was a little surprise considering how he had done previously. But yeah, I mean, he's given up in his last four starts, one run, two runs, zero runs, two runs. I mean, that's your fourth starter or fifth starter, depending on Ryu and Stripling and who's healthy and who's not. But that's excellent. Yeah. And and it's not, uh, you know, it's it's not always just four innings or five innings. Um, you're, you're getting very good value out of that back end of the rotation. And then you're getting this amazing first two slots of the rotation. Kevin Gaussman and Alec Manoa are just ridiculous when they're on and they're pretty great when they have what you might consider an, you know, one of their down outings. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's really funny. I mean, right now, I mean, assuming Ryu, so Ryu left with some elbow tightness in his last game, but assuming that Ryu is good to go, Jose Barrios is the worst pitcher of the five. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause since Ryu has come back, he's given up three runs in 15 and two third innings, which is really, really good. for <laughs> keeping track and, you know, Brios has been up and down, but still, you know, he's still been certainly very useful pitcher and the guy you want to throw out there. So the starting pitching is just really very, very good. And Alec Manoa still has not given up more than two earned runs in a start. 
Yeah, I mean, so Manoa, I guess we have to talk about him individually. So he's not striking many people out, but he's just avoiding hard contact like crazy. He's among the best, the lowest hard hit rates in baseball among starting pitchers. You know, his ERA now is 1.62 in eight starts, which puts about 2.73 for his career. He's just, he looks every bit the part of a front of the rotation major league pitcher already. And he's only 24 years old. And I mean, there's certainly, uh, you would expect a, a guy that usually have a, a bit of a learning curve, but uh, he has no, I, I, they say it over and over again, but the fact that he has basically no minor league seasoning, that all of his learning to pitch was in college is mind-blowing college and the alternate site yeah that's it <laughs> yeah the ultimate site <laughs> famous famous place for where great pictures emerge from all the time <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah it's a, it's a noteworthy breeding ground <laughs> it's it sounds like a, like a secret dimension you just made up uh maybe it was we never actually saw it but so with manoa so he's not striking any, like last year he struck out 127 and 111 innings. This year it's only 43 and 50, but he's only walked nine and he's only given up three home runs, you know, and both, both those things are halved as a rate from last year. It, he's just taking a huge step forward now. It's eight stars. Obviously he'll have some bad ones, which will skew these numbers back the other way. That's just going to happen at some point, but he's not going to have many of them. You don't have to, I mean, it's great to strike out 12 guys per nine innings. We've, you know, we've seen the Robbie Ray, when you put it all together, you don't walk anybody. It, it, it provides for some very dominant performances. But there are, uh, if you can enforce weak contact, a la uh, your favorite pitcher of all time. Um, Marco Estrada? <laughs> Jamie Key? Uh, pick yeah, one. Pick one. <laughs> uh, there are advantages to saving those pitches, right? They, you, you are better rested and they have seen less of you and you, they have still not reached base. So I'm okay with, with, you know, seven strikeouts per nine and not 11 strikeouts per nine. I, I'm totally on board with that. If it, if it's accompanied by weak contact and no home run. Right. And that's the big thing is it, there has to be some accompanying trade-off. You know, sometimes you look at it and a guy's not striking anybody out and his numbers are good, but they're just scary. Right. It's, it's like, oh, okay, he's doing fine. He's getting by right now, but something's going to turn on this one. But when you just miss bats, miss barrels, that's a recipe for success. Zach Granke's been doing that. I mean, he's got what, five strikeouts all year? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to look this up now just because it's kind of crazy. Okay. He's got 23 strikeouts. So it's a little disappointing, but his. He just misses bat barrels too, and and he doesn't do it the same rate Manoa does because he's 38 and he doesn't have the power and the movement anymore. But you can make a career out of doing that, especially when you have the velocity and the pitch mix that Manoa does. So it's it's really fun to watch. So I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat the weird Hyunjin Ryu factoid that I thought was great. Um, is Hyunjin Ryu, Mike Trout, Trout. Oh, for 13. I trout sucks, obviously. Yeah, I mean, who is this trout guy even? Um, <laughs> we'll get into how unusual that is and how it's probably going to give it some point. Um, but we just went on at great length about how the starters don't necessarily need to miss bats because of the way that their stuff is um, and, and the finesse with which they can do things. Maybe not as true when it comes to 
um, the relievers who are built differently. Yeah, and also the situations are different. If you're a starting pitcher, you come into a clean inning. You know, if a guy gets they give a, a hit or two, you can get through it. If you're a relief pitcher, oftentimes when you come in, there are already runners on base. And that's where bat missing really comes into play. The Toronto Blue Jays, as a whole, their relief core, is the third worst that's letting in, in the American League at letting an inherited runner score behind or ahead of only the Angels and Mariners. <laughs> Weirdly, the NL is way worse as a league. I don't really understand why that is. It's hard to make sense of that. But, uh, but yeah, they, I mean, the Jays just, they don't have enough power arms in that bullpen that can get them out of tough jams. Like, you know, we saw this recently. And when Adam Simber comes in with guys on base, Adam Simber's good. Like, he, he's a good pitcher. And I'm really happy the Blue Jays have him. But his entire game is contact. That's not a guy you want coming in with a runner on third and less than two outs because that guy is probably going to score. Yeah, you you cannot gamble on the the double play just because there's a you know a force to have at some base. <laughs> it's not a it's not a safe bet. You need you need some whiffs. Yeah, and the, I mean the only Blue Jays reliever, regular reliever, who has more than one strikeout per inning is Trevor Richards, who has also given up five bombs. So you know it's like. Well, that's maybe not the best formula for success either. So it's a little surprising. So like Jimmy Garcia's strikeout rate is way down. Um, it should rebound, you would think. And well, last, last night he got it started rebounding. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, and, you know, the Jays need to see more of that because that's the pitcher that they thought they were getting. And, you know, he has good stuff. I think it could be a bit of a pitch mix thing for him. But just the bullpen as a whole needs to start actually getting strikeouts because it's hard to succeed with runners on base when you don't miss bats. Pro tip. Um, it says Jansen mashing here. I Like that doesn't even capture the weird scope of Danny Jansen's dominance this year and at the, you know, the last time he was healthy last year. Danny Jansen doesn't know how to hit singles. Seriously, he's got 10 hits, seven of them for extra bases this year. Last year, he had 41 hits. 24 of them were for extra bases. So would you would you like the ultimate good news, bad news stat line from um, uh, Reddit user STV7 about Danny Jansen? I guess. <laughs> over sure. the, okay, good news first. Over the last 365 days, Blue Jays catcher Danny Jansen has batted 316, 389, 778. That is a 1.167 OPS with a 213 WRC plus. That's the good news. The bad news is it's in 46 games, Josh. Yeah, he's missed a ton of time. <laughs> it's like him and him and Taylor Ward are the number one and two in OPS over that time period, and both of them have like fifty games played. But he's playing now, and you know, I mean, look, look <laughs> this kind of extreme output. He's got a one point two four OPS right now. Yeah, no, no, that's not what Jansen was ever supposed to do. But he was always supposed to be an offensive first catcher. We didn't see it early in his career, but we saw glimpses here and there. It's very possible he has just put it together. And again, he won't sustain this. No, but and he's a, only got a, 36 plate appearances, so his numbers are skewed. But a, an 800 OPS catcher is like a diamond that you would clutch onto for his entire career, right? Yeah. 
No, and that's what he was supposed to be, and he could be even better than that. You know, Nick and I have been joking about like they we're expecting that Danny Jansen breakout when he comes to when he's like age thirty eight. Like it's going to happen in a year, <laughs> but it might all, just be happening. <laughs> yeah, it could. This could be it, or he could pull his groin tomorrow. We have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this is when he's on the field. You know, he's got three homers in the last two games. Um, I don't know what it is. I mean, oh, actually, I do know somewhat what it is. One thing that he really fixed, and this is what Kirk has started to fix a bit, was Jansen's big problem was that he would not swing and miss at pitches that were not good to hit. He'd swing and put them in play for easy pop-ups and grounders, and that's what just killed him. He started swinging and missing at pitches you're not supposed to hit. And Kirk is slightly getting there because he he had the same problem. He'd swing at this pitch. He's such good bat control. It's a six inches off the outside corner at the knees. He swings and hits a hard grounder to second base. Well, that's not really much use. So Jansen has figured it out and Kirk's starting to, which actually given them a really good catching duo because Kirk's defense has been so good. I think Jansen admittedly attempting to go and become a pull hitter um, is likely related to exactly that kind of swing and mess that you're talking about, which is he cannot cover the crappy pitches on that side of the plate uh, anymore. He just misses them, right? He's he's not looking to cover them. He's looking to try and pull. So he doesn't he doesn't make any contact. But then when he does make contact, um, he just wrecks it. So yeah, good for you, Danny, uh, Danny Jensen. Hope the league doesn't figure any part of you out. Fingers crossed. <sighs> Um, oh man, we, we talked about Gaussman, but we did not, sorry, I didn't mention the stain on his record. The ho- he allowed a home run, Josh. I know. I, I was so happy that I was not watching when that happened because it made me to, sad. I, I'm, I'm the stats guy today for some reason. Do you know to whom he allowed the home run? Um, I don't think I saw it actually. He is looks like a, 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 his name is Cal Rayleigh, and he looks like a creative player name from you know MLB the show. Oh, the catcher for the yeah for the Mariners. His Rayleigh has four home runs right now. His current slash line one thirty two thirty three five two. So he hits bombs and nothing else. He's like Jansen, but worse. He's, <laughs> he's the poor man's Danny Jansen. He's drunk Joey Gallo. <laughs> also, so Kevin Gossman is having the, the the bizarro Robbie Ray season, walking nobody in his first few starts and then walking people in every start after that. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. Mind you, it's not six or seven people. It's no, it's one. One. <laughs> he walked two last time out, which is a season high. He still has only five walks in 56 innings, which is unbelievably good. And just the one home run allowed. To go so, with 60, I mean, yeah. 65 strikeouts. So Yeah, no, he's or, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, all right. So the Blue Jays continue to shuffle the uh, the – well, uh, sorry. We could talk about the rest of the lineup except that what is there to say other than blurg. <laughs> other than the guys we've already mentioned is anybody hitting above average well Boba Shett keeps having flashes of brilliance I'll give him credit um, but beyond that wow it's it's a little rough as Santiago Espinal comes back down to earth a bit yeah it's uh, in the Jays off so uh, I alluded to Matt Chapman just getting extremely unlucky uh, I can't count the number of balls he's hit that 
looked like they'd probably be home runs with a regular baseball. They digested the track. It's like XBA 700 out. <laughs> um, Kirk has has turned it around, so he's he's hitting well this month. And Bichette has overall had a decent month, but he's cooled a bit lately. Like you said, he's up and down, but nobody else. I mean, so Bradley Zimmer still has the, you know, is still ahead of Chapman, Tapia, Gurriel, Teoscar in OPS for this month. Bradley Zimmer, <laughs> you know, who has nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's been bad. Um, you know, obviously, again, they showed some signs of life in the last few games. Tapia is still not doing anything. You know, Vlad is and Springer look like they're turning things around a little bit. So you could have at least four or five guys hitting, which is, you know, it, it is something. But Gurriel and Teoscar are the two guys that have to get it going. And I have confidence in both of those guys. Uh, we have not seen Teoscar have a slump, I don't think, since he was recalled from the minors. Not like this. But Gurriel has had these these absolutely abysmal-looking times and then turned around and, you know, had more, more what, consecutive games with extra base hits or whatever. It was, it was some weird hitting streak than anybody in history, which just yanked his OPS up from the basement. So I'm, I understand Gurriel is a weird hitter sometimes, but um, yeah, all you can do is wait, right? You can't, you can't really bench Teoscar Hernandez. No, although Gurriel is getting benched a lot, which is interesting. I, you know, I, I can't remember who it was who posted this. I think it was, it was James G. Of course, who else would it be? Um, t- talking about how as the Blue Jays go, so. So, or as Grail goes, so goes the Blue Jays, and then Ian Hunter sort of put a rolling <laughs> numbers matching. When Grail hits, the Jays do better as an offense, and you know, look, that sounds like a silly thing, but it makes sense because offense is exponential. And normally, Teoscar's hitting, right? Like, like you said, mm-hmm. like you expect him to just start hitting. So, when you've got four or five guys hitting, that sixth guy just really ramps up the rest of the offense because. There's just so few places for a pitcher to rest. Yeah. And they yeah. just haven't had that sick. They haven't even had that fourth guy yet so far this year. So if these guys, if those guys start to do even something close to what we expect, the Jays should start rolling. Yeah. And it's, you watch now and Charlie keeps making up the lineup, hoping to bunch up the four guys who are hitting together so they can all do it in a row in one inning. <laughs> That's the strategy at the moment. Got to score somehow. So. Yeah. All right, uh, roster moves before we, we move on. Merriweather and Biggio are back. I would like to say deservedly so, but I'm not sure with either of these it was anything more than like inertia and flexibility on the roster that that got them back here. Yeah, I, I would have liked Merriweather to be down longer just because we talked about how he needs to essentially find a new pitch and find something that works to you know to get by right because he just it's not happening for him to this point and you know like uh, we'll see we'll see if he comes back up because he should be a guy that's pitching at the back of this bullpen not uh not the seventh reliever with his stuff and it's not happening so we'll see um and biggio i just don't know what the expectations are for him yeah he's not gonna play second base espinel's got that locked up so is he just there while Lourdes isn't hitting? Because Biggio did not have a good first day. 
No. Um, yeah, I think Biggio is, is there because Charlie can plug him in anywhere and not think about it defensively while he gets, you know, Teoscar off his feet for a day and Vlad off his feet for a day. But I don't, you're, you're filling in the lineup with not much at all. Um, but it's just an easier decision for Charlie to make. And I mean, his, it, it, Biggio does have a history of hitting well. Unfortunately, it's it, it appears his weakness m- might have been exposed and he's not so patient as he used to be. So, uh-oh. Yeah, so he did go down and he walked 10 times in 10 games in the minors. Um, Maybe they're hoping that that carries over. No, like obviously his first assignment was Shohei Otani. <laughs> it's like, welcome back, Mr. Guy who can't hit velocity very well. He's one of the hardest throwing starters in baseball. That's actually been a problem for the Blue Jays as a whole. They've faced higher velocity than any other team in the league. And I don't know if that's just a function of the schedule or just the way teams attack the Blue Jays or the types of pitchers that they try to use. But you would hope that that's something that would normalize at some point. Yeah, um, you, I, it has to. Like, I mean, just over the course of 162 games, something must average out, one would hope. Uh, but, of course, they have the luxury of having Merriweather at the back end of that bullpen because... 14 pitchers continues because teams cannot figure out anymore how to use less than 14 pitchers and not get... Oh, wait. They still have position players on the mound regularly. What am I saying? Um, (laughs) Holy crap. Do you remember the old days when a guy would actually... A pitcher would go out there and actually wear an outing as opposed to getting Albert Pujols or Yadier Molina or what Brett Phillips to pitch? I mean, those are getting farther and farther in the rearview mirror. That's for sure. I don't understand this one. Um like the the pitcher the pitcher should be built up by now. Yeah. So I, I get why they ex- extended initially because you know like they originally was supposed to end on May first, and with the late start to the season, it's like okay, well the pitchers still definitely were not built. Like it, it was a slower process than people even expected, just because you know like that's just the way baseball went with the cold weather and games being missed. So they extended it to the end of the month. I have no idea why they've extended it to June 20th. It doesn't make any sense. It's good for the Blue Jays, I guess, because they don't have any position players to take that last spot. <laughs> They're going to call Vinny Capra back up, Zach Collins. Like, they, you know, those guys aren't exactly the ones you want on your roster. You'd rather have the arm. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I, I think that might be a lot of teams are just like, hey, we don't really need the bench player. Could we have the pitcher, please? I have a strange feeling. And on that note, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up the week that was, and we're gonna roll on into your questions after this short little break. And we're back, and uh, I'm just just settling in. I'm readjusting my chair forward, back, back, forward. Okay, now we're good, and uh, now I'm ready for questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? My question is, do you picture me air drumming when that sequence goes off? I should, right? Probably. Like nine yeah. times out of ten, it's happening. Uh, L at L E L E Hart asks... I saw someone describe Jansen's three-run home run as a feeling like an exorcism. What demon would you say it was? And can Jansen's new nickname be the exorcist? Um, was it like evil Joe Boo? 
I feel like it was Wiffus, the god of weak contacts. <laughs> sure, I like that. Um, I mean, or was it? Yeah, I, I like that one. You no, can no, call him the Exorcist. I'm not going to stop you. I'm, I'm down with that. I kind of like it. I'd love you to go to a Jays game and bring a sign saying something like that and just get just try to get reactions somehow. People are like, what the hell? Like, well, why is he being called that? And see if it sticks. We're all for it. He's the exorcist now. Jansen, I want you to exercise my demons. That sounds sexual. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Uh, not me personally. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Chase 4. Is, is Matt Chapman the new Danny Jansen? I don't know what that means. <laughs> If it means it's going to be two and a half years before Matt Chapman breaks out, please God, no. <laughs> Is it the guy who hits like only pop ups and home runs, or because Jensen didn't just hit that, didn't hit that many home runs before? Um, Is, it? Is it about warning track power? Is <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. To be clear, we feel bad for Matt Chapman because I don't think he's doing that much wrong to get the results he's getting. No, I'm like if you look at his stat cast data, his ex woba is exactly the same as it was last year, <laughs> or, or the same as it was in 2019. Actually, the year he was actually really good. So, I, I did Dandy Jansen send the demon into Chapman? Is that, is that what we're getting at here? Uh oh, maybe he's not the best exorcist ever. Uh, well, the guy Jared, in the movie wasn't that good either. <laughs> Jarrett S at J Rod 19. Last two games aside, which would be the two you know enjoyable fun games where they scored runs with so many reasonably well-established hitters struggling at the same time. How much does coaching team approach play into it? And how much is it just guys not executing? This feels like a serious question. So I'm going to leave it for you to maybe give a serious answer. <laughs> All right. Well, I think there's an element of, of both of those things that it's just some of it's just guys not executing like the, the run is in scoring position performance. Teams to habitually perform better with runners in scoring position than worse as hitters because it's harder for pitchers. The Jays are the worst ever. So, no, that's not – that's just guys not executing. But overall, the Jays are getting thrown a lot of hard fastballs and sliders down in a way. And with a team loaded with right-handed power hitters, it is a bit of a team approach thing. They're swinging at them and not doing anything. Um, we alluded to – Vlad's, you know, improvements. And one of the things he's been doing, although it didn't actually affect his two home runs, they were both on high pitches, but he started doing low T work again, like he did before last season. This, uh, Pat Tabler actually brought this up on the broadcast. Good for Pat. We don't get to credit Pat Tabler very often. But yeah, I mean, they're trying to address the issue. So that's the that's the good side of things. They're, they're working on it. I think... Um there is likely a, a reluctance for the coach to immediately start tearing things apart and ripping into guys very early in a season uh, on the off chance that it, it is a matter of them not having enough reps and they are doing the right thing. But I think as we're getting a quarter of the way through the season, which I believe last night's game was the quarter way, the 25% mark, um, I think there's there's less reluctance on the coaching staff part to say, okay, well, You've had every chance to fix this yourself. Now we're going to go in and look at things to actually change, adjust, you know, tweak. Um, but, you know, I'm not a major league coach. I can't say that's for sure what's happening. Uh, Quinn at Quinn Sweetser says, do you think we should be worried about Barrios? And in particular, his 10%-ish decline in strikeout rate. I don't understand how pitching. I don't understand uh, pitching at all. I think that was. Uh, but to me, it seems potentially problematic. 
Well, I mean, it's it's not what you want to see, but his. So I look at his pitches and the break on them, and there's basically no change from any of the last four years. He has, you know, he'll get a half degree more or less movement on each of them, depending on what year it is. So basically, that's margin of error. I, you know, his, his stuff is the same. So there's no real reason why he should be doing this. It's just location and. He could be one of those guys who just got overly affected by not having the proper spring training or have, or being able to do the same normal workouts he does. Who knows? I expect it to improve. If it doesn't, we'll have to look at other reasons why. But there's no – like if velocity is the same too, there's no reason it should be happening. And, and there you have it. A victim of uh, his sample size maybe? Uh, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm sure it's some of that. But also just I think his sequencing and his command haven't been there yet. Now – I'm this we went from serious questions. This is a, this is almost a sad question. Like minor leaguer at minor underscore leaguer says my only Blue Jays jersey has Donaldson on the back. Uh, Donaldson of the Hey Jackie comment that was wildly inappropriate this week. Um, incidentally, he says he got it by swapping a Pilar one that was gifted to him, which I mean, I too would have swapped a Pilar jersey after his racist remarks. What should I do with it? Um, he Postscript, he says, when exchanging the Pilar jersey, he was debating between Donaldson and Osuna. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm afraid of whatever jersey he's going to pick next is the exactly. first thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little scared. I think you have to buy a new jersey and just put that one away. No swapping it. No passing this on to somebody else. Yeah, I, th I think the Donaldson jersey just goes into a closet or drawer you never open or get to the back of. I think that's just, you just quietly retire it and ignore it because bringing it any attention is just going to make things worse. And I think you do the sadly grown-up dad thing now and you go and you buy a blank jersey. I yeah. think that, that's the safe move. I You know, I hate to give you that kind of advice on this podcast, but... Because the blank jersey just, it, it says so much less. Um, but you could get a baby blue blank jersey. That'd be nice. There you go. All right. Those were all the questions. Um, I think we answered them with skill and and, uh, and love, you know, from our hearts. Uh, which is to say uh, that I really want to move on to the do-over. Um, oh, but it's, it's this one that I want. All right. What would I do different? Well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them stananks. That could that's, be worthy of a do-over. That's actually audio of uh, Charlie Montoyo run through uh, a special voice box. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. Oh, man. Okay, so the reason the Blue Jays don't have a longer than two-game winning streak, well, one of the Maybe. reasons, I mean, yeah, yeah potentially, a thing that contributed to them not having one. So they lost the first game against the Cardinals. And when asked why the Blue Jays did not use their best reliever, Jordan Romano, on the road in a tie game. And this is the tie games where you put the leadoff runner on second base. So strikeouts are really important. He's the only guy on the, on the road in the bullpen who does that. When asked why, Montoya replied... You don't do that on the road. We did it in Houston, and it didn't work out. There are three things wrong with this statement. <clears throat> okay. Can, Just, I, can I pick one? Go ahead. Was it a tie game when they did it in Houston? 
No, they were winning. Oh, okay. <laughs> Romano was actually in for a save. <laughs> and then he gave a two-run homer to Jeremy Pena. So that so <laughs> the three things wrong are just what well, well, we've talked about this many times. The idea of not losing your using your closer on the road in a tie game is lunacy. Because if you give up a run as a closer ahead at home, the game continues. If you give up a run as a reliever on the road, the game is over and you lose. <laughs> yeah, use I your mean, best pitchers. My 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 explanation for this, for those of you who are still kind of like, well, you don't you need to save the closer? In a tie game, you have zero runs of error room, and the game is over on the road. Yeah. In, in <laughs> so, who would you like to give up zero runs? Who's your best bet to give up zero? Your Probably best pitcher. Your best pitcher. <laughs> Otherwise, so. You don't get to use any other pitchers. <laughs> Which is what happened. Nonsense. So that's the first one. You don't do that on the road. Second problem. We did it in Houston and it didn't work out. So he's basing his whole philosophy off a sample size of one. <laughs> Which is not a correct sample. <laughs> right. A sample size of one where the one you've chosen is not representative of the sample. Oh, boy. It. Uh, my goodness, this was dumb. Like, I, look, I, I don't. I'm not one who's like fire the manager or or all any of that stuff. I've never been that, but this was really bad. And someone needs to say what the hell is going on. And and I can see to sit him down and say, fix this, because that was so dumb. <laughs> yeah. That was that was trying hard to give the game away. Now I'm gonna rewind back further in the same game to the sixth inning, where Jose Barrios is at eighty, I think eighty-one or eighty-three pitches. Um is now going through the third time through the uh, order. Enters the sixth. Gets an out on a ground out. And then allows a home run. So now it is three to two. And he's allowed to continue to pitch. So that's, I mean, okay. I mean, I'm it was not the, really It was the seventh. The seventh, sorry, the seventh. And, yeah. and he's allowed to continue to pitch in a one-run game where he's just given up a home run and is now up in the 90 pitch count. I rewind back to Alec Manoa's last start. The uh, Going to the ninth inning, the Blue Jays are up 3-1 against Cincinnati, a far worse team. <laughs> uh, Manoa is at 83 pitches. And absolutely, under no circumstances, will they allow him to throw a pitch in the ninth. Which is fine, but if your starter is getting tired, supposedly, after 80 to 90 pitches and the third time through the order, and you don't want to expose them, why is that not the rule three days later? Well, then there's an added wrinkle to that, which goes back to how we started this do-over with Romano. So Romano came in to close that, that game by Manoa, and he struck out the side. The problem is that was a back-to-back -back for Romano who had just come off the injured list with an illness and it meant he was unavailable for the next game which ended up losing 3-2. They gave up the go-ahead run in the eighth on a home run by Joey Votto. Stupid Votto. <laughs> oh, I can't stay mad at you. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it was just a weird decision where it burned the closer unnecessarily. It was a time when the starter, he'd only thrown 83 pitches, right? He absolutely could have gone back out for the ninth. So it was, it's a weird set of choices, by the way. So that, that one where he didn't use Romano, 
against St. Louis, it ended up with a situation where Ryan Berecki was facing Paul Goldschmidt with the bases loaded. Paul Goldschmidt, who is hitting 516 with a 583 on base and a 1,000 slugging against left-handed pitching. How, he had a grand slam to walk the game off. <laughs> surprising zero people on my time frame. <laughs> no, I mean, he just destroys left-handed pitching. And Berecki, because he's become a fastball slider guy and doesn't really have that changeup anymore, not as great against right-handed hitting. And the, the not using your closer and end up going to that, uh, it's just yeah, just bad managing. And, and just the excuse was just, it, it just was inexcusable. Like yeah. the do-over is just give your head a shake and actually think about this stuff and, and actually learn when to use your best pitchers. And maybe, you know, remember when you used your best pitchers. That, that's a good one too. Consistency is, uh, is key as well as un understanding things. Uh, yeah. All right. So going to send Charlie Montoya off to the distance and uh, we are going to hand out a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. To the Yankees and the Rays. Never thought I'd say those words. Together at the same time. Um, yeah, this is our we're not sticking to sports segment, even though we usually stick to sports. Because uh, happily, these teams did not stick to sports for one night. No, no, they really didn't. Um, so obviously there was the horrible shooting down in Texas. And, you know, Buffalo had had a recent one as well. So the Yankees and the Rays decided that their Twitter accounts were going to tweet facts about gun violence throughout the entire game instead of updates about the game. And that obviously was going to rile up a bunch of people because there's a lot of people who really hate when sports teams get political. I mean, the nonsense that caring about people dying is political. It's another topic, but anyway, they did it anyway and they just kept doing it. And the strongest kudos we can give for that. Yeah. Um, and as far as baseball, not being political, well, we can, we can do away with the flyovers of F 16s and the uh, salute our troops and the God bless America and uh, and then we will have removed the politics from the sports on one side, and we can move forward. Uh, there was, and, this... yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say. I was going to say. A... <laughs> <laughs> All yours. There was a saying at uh, at the beginning of I think it was actually of COVID, which was um, that sports are a reward in some way for having a functioning society and a society that is regularly allowing children to die and not doing anything about it is not functioning well enough for you to just ignore all that. Yeah. And, and that, that would have been a better button than what I'm going to say, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, one thing that they also did very well, both of them, they would tweet out a fact and then the source for the fact. So there can't be any, Oh, where are you getting your facts from nonsense from people? It's like, here it is right in the following tweet. Here's where this, this information came from. And they were and they were tweeting out hotlines that people can call. It was just brilliantly done. Yeah, and I mean, it's is it going to solve a, a you know a ton of problems just because of one night? No, but the more people hear other perspectives and the more people hear that hey, you know, maybe this isn't we're not doomed to be in fear of this kind of thing happening um, if we do something about it. 
that that's a step in the right direction. So I we are a hundred percent in favor of it, obviously. Um, and hopefully, you know, we don't have to wait for another mass shooting for actual action to get taken. On that note, I am going to ask you to switch back to sports and give me a final thought for the night. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Nate Pearson is finally starting his rehab assignment, which means he has 30 days before he's got to be back up or optioned. His velocity was a little down in his first one, but it's, you know, he threw an inning and a bit. Yeah, so I wouldn't read too much into that yet. But we're talking about needing power out of the bullpen. If he can start building himself back up, that's the guy they need to, to, to help this team. Because he just – one thing he does is strike people out when he pitches out of the bullpen. Oh, that, I'm ready for that pipe dream, Josh. Uh, my final thought is on Joey Votto because I'm done being mad at him again. Um so when asked on his way into Toronto uh, on a like a Zoom interview, and I, I do not know exactly who was trying to interview him. I don't recognize the logo. He was asked uh, by the actual Reds Twitter account, what what sites did you want to see in Toronto? And he, his 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 preferred sites were the center of the baseball, presuming, you know, to offer that he was not able to square things up and somewhere around windows, possibly the second deck somewhere around there. Uh Joey Votto's possibly last plate appearance of his career in Toronto was a home run that hit the facing of the second deck. So the man is an absolute goat and a legend. Although some some negative points for not knowing that Windows Restaurant doesn't exist anymore. Come on, man. You're a local. Hey, man, we still call it Skydome. What are you going to say? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... That is to say that you have been Joshua House at Joshua House, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 236, and we will talk at you next week. <laughs> <laughs>